0: If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. We're delighted to have Christoph Hess back again today. Christoph has been a previous guest. He was on chat number 702, and if you'd like to go back and listen to that, I would urge you just to get a little bit more um, knowledge about Christoph. you know, about him changing the equestrian world one conversation at a time, which we did talk about. Um, certainly, he's just an, uh, just got so much knowledge, and um, today we're going to talk about 10 essential small steps which every rider has to do to develop their skills. Now, are you there, Christoph? How are you today?
1: Yeah, thank you very much. I'm I'm very happy. I had yesterday and the day before a late entry competition, a little bit to organize at my son's place at, we say in Germany, Hof Bettenrode. It's south of Hanover, the region where the Hanoverians are at, and it's a very big stable my son has. And we had our second, uh, yeah, late entry competition at his place because, as you know, in Germany and all over the world, we have to... Corona, virus, and therefore everything is not totally shut down, but uh, was shut down for a couple of weeks here in Germany, in the center of Europe. And um, now it starts a little bit, but without spectators, and we have now the second competition, therefore I'm back at home at Warendorf, capital of forces in Germany, where I've living since about 40 years, and uh, yeah. Ready to go to speak uh, with you in Queensland, which is great. I love it. I was there in Brisbane um, two times years ago, and it's one of the most amazing and yeah wonderful places in the world I've ever been. And therefore uh, it's, it's good that we have a big distance, and the communication systems helps us yeah to communicate as we were sitting together in one room. But it's as it is, and yeah. Good to go, and maybe I look out of my window, and we in Germany it's the morning. We have afternoon, and and we have rain, which is great. We had uh, April and May not enough rain, and now the last days a lot of rain, which is really good for the farmers, agriculture, so that um, they hope they will get a good harvest. Yeah, starting in July. So that's the situation.
0: Good, good. Look, we've just had a shower of rain. It's um, certainly not dry here, and the shower of rain just freshens things up and makes the grass look even greener. So nice to have that odd shower every now and then. Yeah, yeah.
1: Can I ask a question?
0: Yes, absolutely.
1: How is the coronavirus at yours? Is this a big problem or... Is the government able to control this virus?
0: I think it's always a problem. You know, I think right around the world it's a problem. We're very lucky in Queensland at the moment. We only have five active cases. And, um, you know, those five active cases are in quarantine and none of the active cases are anywhere near me. So, you know, that's that to me it's very lucky. But certainly my heart goes out to people in some countries where it's just, you know, out of control. I think
1: that it's just horrific. And, and and what about the horse world? It's going on um, with competitions, or is this shut down?
0: We're just starting to get things back in the motion now. After uh, a long holiday, yes, and we can do certain sports. I think our, our current limit is twenty, but you can have twenty in different groups. So it's not it's not really like FEI competitions, but it's certainly. Yeah. You know, we're we're working towards it and people are training at home and and being a bit inventive too with the training, you know, using Zoom a little bit and coaching with – I was just talking to John and McLean yesterday and he said he's going to start doing Zoom consultations, you know, where someone might be videoing the horse on a live stream uh, and then he can talk to the person that's riding the horse and, you know, come back, do it again and um, try this, Yeah. So I think it it teaches us to be a little bit inventive. Yeah. All right. Now we can start with these and I know you say very small steps but some of these steps can be huge for people if they don't have an understanding of what you mean. You know, it's you talk about the horse's nature and everyone thinks that they understand the horse's nature but I think, you know, of all the people in the world you're one of the people that really understand the horse's nature with so much more knowledge. So and the other thing is too these small steps you know, which every rider has to do to develop their skills. We talk a lot about the foundation training of the horse, but are these the foundation training for the rider?
1: Mm. Yeah, I think um, that's very important. Although I think we, we horse people talk very much about horses all the day, nature, what you are saying, nature of the horse, how to train horses, how to ride difficult horses, and so on and so on. And you are totally right and we often don't talk enough the rider the skills the rider has to have and we have to realize that at the end of the day uh, the horse is the mirror of the rider and the better the rider is sitting which means the better the rider is in balance and is supple in the saddle and mentally and physically supple that from my point of view very very important the better uh, he is able um, to have a good position the better he is able to train his horse, the more horse friendly he is, to be honest. Uh, not a rider is horse friendly who is sitting against the movement, who is sitting to the wrong side when he is turning right, sitting left, and so on, and is um, not balanced in the saddle, uh, then he needs the reins to balance his body in the saddle. All these things are, to be honest, not good for horses, so therefore when you want to be a horse friend, and I think all of us, all horse people would say, yes, we are horse friends. And when you are a true horse friend, then you have to use your fingers in your direction that you first start to think what can I do better when I handle my horse from the ground or when I'm sitting in the saddle, those are important the handling of the ground and um, yeah, how I keep the horses 24 hours a day. And the second thing is what do I do with my horse when I'm sitting in the saddle? And many people think sometimes, okay, when I handle them uh, nicely with carrots and grass and uh, things like this so that they are happy, I think the best way to make the horse happy is to ride them properly and in a nice, horse-friendly way so that the horse loves the work and the riders have to motivate the horses, uh, but they always have to do it and have to think, oh, what is the best way to motivate the horse? And uh, the understanding is important. The horse is not born that the rider is sitting on him or her, but uh, when we are sitting on the horse, we have to realize from the rider's point of view that we are a guest. We are not at home. We, when when we visit him in his house, in his the flat, then we are, we have the situation of a guest. And this is what I think is important that we realize when we are sitting on the horse that we are guests on the back of the horse in the saddle. And I think therefore, from my point of view, it's very very important that we realize, um, yeah, that we have to thank. Uh, maybe it, it sounds a bit sentimentally that we have to thank our father that we have these lovely animals on earth and we have the responsibility that they have a good life on earth. And um, when we are settled, that we train them so that they are happy, that we, when we train them, uh, that they love what we are doing with them. That's for me important. And um, that we think into the direction what can we do as much as possible to become better riders. It's not important that we are all world-class riders. It is not possible but that we try as horse-friendly as possible. And this is looking from the welfare point of view for horses. That's very, very important looking from this point of view as well. The better we are sitting, the better we are and balance in the saddle, the more horse friendly we are riding, the better for the welfare of the horse. And the better we are doing this, the less the horse will be in the in the hospital, like because of um, illness or orthopedic problems, so the, the, the less uh, we need uh, veterinarians. And I think that's very important. and um, yeah, I think. Very important is that we realize that we have to train us. And this is something we have to do as proper skills. But I think very important is as well that we realize that the way we talk about horses is very important in, in, in the German language. We sometimes can say, oh, that's a GAUL, G-A-U-L, GAUL. Um, yeah, when we, in in most part of Germany, where I am living, talk about the Gaul. It's uh, like saying, "Oh, that's a nigger. It's not a black person. It's a nigger." Something like this. And um, therefore, we have to realize that we we talk in a nice way about horses because talking and feeling and thinking is very close connected. And therefore, I think it is important that we talk in a good way about horses in a friendly way, but. We have to respect that horses are not human with four legs, especially in the situation uh, in which we're living now. What right? makes the generation before us are more nature-orientated, like the aborigines. Right? I, I think the, the more rural-orientated, nature-orientated people have another feeling for animals, and therefore we have to, uh, to, to train these skills uh, together with the skills we need uh, as techniques when we are sitting in the saddle.
0: Okay. Okay, so this understanding of the horse's nature, what do you think is the most misunderstood part of the horse's nature?
1: Yeah, I think the most, um, I often uh, have the situation that many people think that horses are, very close to um, the nature of us, and that many people don't realize that horses are still horses uh, when they are stable and when they are maybe easy to ride and, and kind of a friend of them, but they are still horses with their nature and yeah, I think many people um, we have and we have to realize most of the people who have horses are women. And sometimes these kind of women, yeah, think that the very best friend in their life is not the husband or the boyfriend or the former boyfriend or former husband or kids of the horses. And that's nice from one point of view, but from the other point of view, it's sometimes not realistic. And therefore they have to realize that this is a very special situation because a horse is is not a yeah not a human partner and this is what we have to realize that the, that the people respect the nature of the horse and respect the personality of the horse and horses have very different personalities as we as well so therefore this is something uh, that we have to realize and uh, it's so what we have to train looking from the trainers and the instructors and riding teachers and coaches point of view that uh, this is something we have to, to teach.
0: Okay. Now, people learning to ride, you know, I know that there's some schools of thought that you specialise specialize early, but I know that you like to think that if you're riding, you learn to ride in all disciplines. Can you talk to us about when you mean all disciplines, but why are we riding in all disciplines? What benefits are there? Say we plan to be a Grand Prix dressage rider. What Benefits are they to the rider and to the horse of riding in other disciplines? You know, taking the horse out hacking, popping over a jump, things like that.
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, we have to realize, and it's the same thing with humans as well. When we start with horses, and it's a similar thing with riders as well. We have to think kindergarten, primary school, and then high school, or we have to 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 go through these different uh, levels in. Different schools. And when we look, we as humans have to learn in kindergarten more social skills and in the primary school social skills, which is very important that the teacher has this as a, a, a true goal and different subjects. And I think that's very important. The more subject we learn, the more we realize what are our talents, what are our challenges, where we are weak, but we need a lot, and I think it would be a disaster if we only would learn reading, or writing, or counting, or things like that. only one thing. And this is for me very important. The more we learn at the beginning as a rider, the better our elasticity is, our mobility is, and the more horse friendly we are, the better our balance is. And especially when we are riding, we have to realize that horses are not like a bicycle. I sit on the bicycle and I drive, but uh, horses can make a jump, they are tense, they are spooky, and when I am not able to sit on a horse with, with, with spooky and uh, jumps a little bit when it's afraid, a little bit into the direction of a rodeo horse sometimes, and then I'm brave enough. Then I always try to control the horse. And we humans always try to control because we are very much hand oriented. We start to control everything with our hands. And when we start to control the hands, we do a, a terrible mistake looking from the horse's point of view. Why? Because then we stimulate the flight instinct of the horse. The more we control our hands, the more the horse will run away and the more the horse will do stupid things. And uh, the better we are balanced in the saddle, and balance we learn not just on the flat. Balance we are able to learn on the flat, uh, but over fences, cross country, up and down, a little bit hilly situations outside. Uh, and, and all these situations to ride different horses, really different, solid horses and pure warm blood horses. And I like very much the idea to ride as a racing saddle, which you, with, uh, with the jockey's to use for a mountain cap and, and eventing cross country saddles and show jumping saddles and dressage uh, saddles. So you get a feeling with extremely short stirrups as a donkey, short stirrups as maybe eventing rider cross country, uh, not as short as cross country, and um, a little bit longer show jumping, stirrups and show jumping, and then longer stirrups riding at the stage, and then put the stirrups away, right without stirrups. I like very much giving long lessons because I think that's the best way to concentrate to sit properly in the saddle, because um, many people don't have enough focus to get position in the saddle into the direction of 10.0. I, I think too many people around the world, all over, down under, and Europe, and America, and yeah, the parts in the world I know, many, many people think, okay, I just ride a little bit, and then I get my very first own horse. And then I'm a good writer. And then I do it. And I this is not in the beginning. You need very much into the direction of long lessons. And when you look uh, to Vienna, Spanish writing schools, and this is historical since um, hundreds of years. And they have a very special focus on their way of writing. Uh, how to learn in the beginning? They the, we say and they they get at least four years long lessons. And wild trained horses, and to learn to sit, sit, sit. And as an example, um, when the coronavirus situation started, I had just a couple of days before a question call from California, and they asked me, better um, when are you coming to America next time? And can you come to us in our place?" And I am a Grand Prix rider, and my daughter is a Grand Prix rider, and. Uh, on the way to become a real and we love to get lessons from you. Okay, fine. And then the lockdown came, no planes to America, and all these problems as we still. And then I said, okay, maybe I can give you some some online lessons. And then I did it, and it works amazing. I did it a lot of online lessons in US and mainly in California with, with this lady in California, but in other parts meanwhile as well. <laughs> and it was amazing to see. The daughter, she is 17 years old. I never had seen her before. A brilliant young rider on level, I would say, immediate one into the direction of Grand Prix. And she is 17 years old. Really good. And she has an amazing position and a wonderful understanding. And I had given the online lessons, and I've never seen her before. And I've given her at least 30 online lessons, at, at least, meanwhile. And and she has such a lovely How can it work that you are sitting in such a good way and it's really easy to train a rider who is trained into the right direction? It's always a challenge for me, a true challenge to train people who are on the wrong way, terrible wrong way. It's very difficult to school them because they have another understanding. When I say black, they understand white. And when I say White, they understand black, it's really difficult, but this girl, or a young lady, 17 years of age, uh, turning 18 at the end of this year, it was so lovely in the way she was writing. And then I said, how can it work that you are writing in this nice way? And then she said, yes, my mother had schooled me four years long jing lessons. And this is a challenge, four years, it's such a long time. And that's the challenge for the, the instructor why? Because he has to motivate the rider to give him or her an understanding how important it is to be trained for such a long time in longing lessons. And this is for me very, very important uh, that our riders, mainly the riders we have now, and the next generation will get an understanding how important it is to get this kind of lesson because we have at the end of the day scale of training for horses, and we have a scale of training for riders as well, and then, then we have to work very, very small steps, really in the same direction as we are using the scale of training for riders, so that at the end of the day, as a result, the riders and the horses are balanced and supple, and mentally and physically, that is for me the goal for both, and the the red line is a scale of training for horses and the red line is a scale of training for riders and um, yeah, at the end of the day as uh, a goal, the highest goal which we have is the harmony the harmony between uh, the horse and the rider or the rider and the horse
0: okay great and I love hearing stories about that girl you know four years lunch lesson yeah Christoph, we have a term. You know, dressage, trainers and riders talk about the horse being in front of the driving aids. Now, we're not talking about driving with a carriage. We're talking about driving within riding. But for someone who's coming into this, hasn't heard that conversation or, or isn't familiar with it, if we talk about having the horse in front of the driving aids, as a judge, what are we looking for? As a coach, how are we training it? And as a rider, how's it going to feel to have a horse in front of the driving aids?
1: Yeah. Uh, that' that's a very good question because this is one of the main key points we have to work on, and um, this is part of yeah, the general understanding. What's important in the training process? This is important in all different disciplines on all levels, and um, this is something a writer has to learn quite often, quite early, sorry, quite often as well, quite early in his education and training um, to bring a horse in front of your driving aids and what kind of aids you have to give. And then um, I think we have to understand how the body of uh, the rider is, how the body, we have to get a true understanding for the body of the rider. And uh, we have to realize that we humans are, what did say earlier, are hand-orientated. When we are sitting on the horse, we have to be leg- and position oriented, which means that we do as less as possible with our hands, that we, what I love to say, just use our hands, fingers, to listen into the horse's mouth. Why? Because this is the most sensitive part, and the mouth is a kind of a mirror of the horse's soul, and the more we, we, we have the sensitivity to realize with sensitivity how the feeling of the horse is, the better we come to harmony with our horses, with our hands. So, but how can we use, it? how do we have to use our body? I love to say our body, and a very important part is our legs. I think we have to be supple, very supple in the um, in the pelvis. We have to swing into the horse's movement, and we have to do both to bring the horse in front of our aids. We have to swing with the horse's movements, That's important. Therefore, the flexibility in the pelvis is important. And that's the second part. We have to, uh, this is something which is passive and active, and the side and to to try to make the the movements a little bit the feeling has to be a little bit bigger as maybe the horse would have, have if we wouldn't sit on horseback to make them bigger that has to be our feeling in our head and therefore we have to swing in a nice way into the horse's movement. I always say, I repeat no, in a passive and in an active way first passive and then we have the right feeling, then we have to make it a little bit more active. So, And now, the second comes in the situation, bring the horse in front of us, in front of the driving aids. It's very, very important that we get the right feeling how to use our legs. This is, for me, the most important part, using the legs. And we have to learn very early in our education and our training program as a rider We have to learn that when we use our legs, there has to be a response from the horse's side immediately. And I want to underline the word immediately. If it is not immediately a response, then something is wrong. So therefore we have to realize that the horse has to be very sensitive to our driving aids when we use our legs. And we have to use, and I like it, in Germany we always say Schenkel, which is the lower part of the leg. And I like in the English language very much the word leg, because it's the whole leg which we use. And and when I give lessons, I always talk about the German word for leg is Bein. The whole part of the leg has to work. This is important. And the young rider has to learn, and to be honest, many, many, many riders who ride since ages, they don't have the right feeling to bring the horse in front of the driving edge. And a good exercise is, um, halt, and then start from halt to walk. And try this, and I think when you try this with a lot of riders, you will see that many riders they need the spurs, they don't have uh, the heels at the um, deepest point, they bring the heels and then spurs in and then they, they don't give a clear advice to the horse to go and um, they, they try it like sitting uh, like a monkey. If, if a monkey is sitting on a horse, if the monkey will use the legs not to fall down, but we have to be very supple with our legs. And when we use the driving aid, the legs have to come to the horse's body just for a second. And then in this situation, the horse has to move. And if if you want to come from halt to walk, the horse is not moving immediately, then we have to do it a second time or a third time. But very consistently and say go immediately. And if not, then a second time, a third time, and second and third time with more energy, and if this is not working, then a good advice as well, and I think this works uh, with many, many horses, then use a short whip at the shoulder in this situation that the horse will realize that when the leg is coming, the horse has to move immediately from halt to walk, and if the horse in this situation starts, for instance, which would be great. It is more an overreaction, but it's positive. It's positive overreaction. That's a positive mistake. And this is to realize that um, in this situation we never ever should use rain to stop the horse. No. We have to say go and then start to trot a little bit and then come back to walk. This for me very, very important uh, to that we realize this and uh, yeah. This is something we have to, to do and um, have to train. And uh, I repeat the exercise to come from halt to walk. It's the first step that the rider will realize in a positive way that he has a horse in front of his driving aids. If uh, there is not Im- immediately a reaction, then he will or has to realize, and this is what the trainer, has to explain the rider and the coach has to explain the rider, but then, to be honest, the horse is not truly in front of him or her. Okay.
0: Well, I think very well explained. I think, if, you know, if people didn't quite get that, this is the sort of information they can go back to and listen and listen again and, and just make sure, you know, and you, you've placed so much emphasis on the halt to walk, just getting the horse to move yeah. forward and, and that response immediately. Stop. I need to interrupt this chat for a hot off the press notification. That is, that the latest version of the book, 101 Careers in the Horse Industry, is now available and the best news is that it's a free download. So if you work in the horse industry, if you have a plan to work in the horse industry and have a career in the horse industry, or if you know someone who plans to have a career in this fabulous industry, then this is an essential book for you to read now and then keep as a reference as you progress through your career. With over 100 jobs to choose from, you'll probably find at least one that you'd happily do without being paid. So simply go to internationalhorsecollege.com, scroll down to the bottom of the page, and click on the 101 careers in the horse industry button to receive your free career book. Imagine. Maybe one day you could be a guest on Horse Chats. But a similar way, can you explain, you know, we talk about riding smooth transitions and people might think that, you know, i just drop my rein and say woo and the horse slows down to walk. But, um, you know, it's not quite that. But the riding smooth transition. So as a judge, what are you looking for ideally to give a 10, you know, 9, 10? You're looking for something that's really, really good. What are you looking for then as a trainer? what would you say, coach, to achieve this? But as a rider, how's riding smooth transitions going to feel?
1: It's another very, very good question because I think the transitions are the spirit of good riding. And when I'm looking from a judge's point of view, I have to say um, that's very important. When you watch a rider riding a transition, very important, but then you can see who is a rider with a good feeling and who is a rider who has a bad feeling. And I would say a rider who is using the reins and is using his hands or her hands is a rider who is not a horse friendly rider and that's a rider who is riding against the nature of the horse. And that's, with black and white, this would be a bad rider. And a good rider is a rider who is able to give the reins in the transitions. And I will explain now why. When a rider, I start with a negative situation. If a rider is using in the transitions the reins, which many, many riders are doing, that's a misunderstanding of riding uh, yeah, half horse and total horse. Because when you use your reins, it is first what I did say several times, it's against the nature of the horse because the horse is a flight animal. I will repeat it. And the more you use the reins, the more the horse will run away. Because uh, or is doing other negative things because the horse has a bad feeling and horses always want to have good feelings and not bad feelings. So that's one thing against the nature. He's riding against the nature of the horse. The second thing is, and this is for me very important, you are riding against the biomechanics of the horse because when you use the reins, you stop the swinging from the hind legs over the back through neck, pull into the horse's mouth. When you now use the reins, this way of moving from behind over the back is negative. So therefore, for me, it's very, very important that you, from the rider's point, you realize this, that when you use the reins in the transitions, that you are in the same time are stopping the hind legs. And then in this situation, the hind legs are not coming from behind more and more into the direction of um, the set of gravity. Therefore, when you want to write a good transition, looking from the judge's point of view, uh, or um, you have to to give marks for transitions, and we have in all our FEI tests, and I'm sure in your national tests as well, and we have it in Germany as well, we give special marks for transitions, maybe after extended canter, after extended or medium trot, and this is great that we have these, these special marks. I want to see that the rider's able at the end of a diagonal to give both reins. And in this situation, the horse has to come with hind legs more under the center of gravity. And in this situation, the horse is able to carry more weight with the hind legs than with the front legs. And that's the situation that's uh, the, the goal of a good transition. So therefore, that's for me the spirit of good riding when the rider is able, in a transition, to give both reins so that the hind legs are working more and more under the center of gravity. That's, that's a point. The question now, how can we train this? And uh, to be honest, I never talk about half-halls and total-halls, because I think when I teach this, uh, many people, think, oh, now I have to use my reins, because when you look to the definition of half and total hauls, uh, main, yeah, mainly half hauls, you hear something, what you have to do with your reins, and okay, then they say, okay, you, you have to use your seat, and you have to use your legs, that's true, but always something with your reins. And I think when you say something into the direction of using the reins, at the end of the day, don't Always think. Oh, I have to do something with the reins, which is typical for humans because we are head orientated, and then forget to use legs and position and their weight to use the weight in the proper way. Therefore, I school very much when I when I'm schooling transitions. Is uh, I would say 90% of the training session of most of the riders uh, to make the horse what do is supple supple to make the horse as supple as possible, but it's more than suppleness, do it's that the horse is willing to listen to the rider as a partner, not as a slave. I want to say this. And therefore, for me, it's very important to do this and so that the horse will learn it. and I like very much to do it with a little bit in the beginning, young horses a little bit with leg yielding, and in the transition, but you have to, tra- sorry, you have to train leg yielding before, and then I give advice, uh, use a little bit leg yielding uh, in the transition, later on, write the transitions in the way of shoulder in, use it. Then you have the horse straight, and then you bring the inside hind leg into the direction of the outside front leg, and this is, the situation when the horse is a little bit more sitting with the hind legs and comes more a little bit more with the inside hind leg under the center of gravity. And this is for me very important so that the horse is able to carry a little bit more weight with one hind leg. And then when you do it from the other side with the other hind leg, that's from the gymnastic point of view, very, very useful. And this is a movement or an exercise I like very much. And that's for me the best way to school smooth transitions. First I repeat thinking uh, I want to write um, leg yielding and in the second step a little bit I want to write shoulder in. That's for me the best way to school smooth and I like the but smooth transitions so as we spell it and as we speak it. Smooth and I, I when I when I teach I I teach uh, with words and not write the transition or no no try to ride a very very smooth transition to give the rider a little for the feeling and the rider has to to get a feeling for this feeling and this needs a lot of time and he has to ride or she has to ride different horses because all horses are different in riding transition so therefore the better um, the rider is able to get the right feeling the better he or she will ride these kinds of positions. And it is for me a very, very high goal in the education and train program of riders.
0: Okay. Now, you've talked about it before, about how the rider should be sitting balanced and supple. And all riders want to do that, to sit balanced and supple. And you talked about the 17-year-old rider in the US who spent four years doing lunge lessons. So we've got lunge lessons that are going to help to improve, but is there anything else you can tell riders on how to achieve sitting balanced and supple?
1: Yeah, I like, um, other when I give clinics for instance, I um, don't have directly the possibility to give lunge lessons, but often I say here, yeah, do it, lunge lessons when I'm away, but sometimes it's not possible. Sometimes I do it, but most of the time I rise on higher level, But these riders have to get longing lessons as well an um, uh, example. Another sport is golf. And if someone wants to go um, out in the, in, on the golf course, they, they always go before they put on, on the driving range. And I think that, that longing lessons are like, um, yeah, like uh, training on a, um, on a uh, driving range, for, just as an example. But when I, as an example, give a lesson, to a rider who yeah, is yeah is part of my clinic, then I like it very much, and I did it with my kids. I have three kids, and I think they are they are not world class, but they are not too bad at riders. And especially one of my sons, two sons, Philip, and he is very very often best rider in Germany and abroad, and has a big stable and the such horses and so on. And I think he has a very good position to settle. And what did we do? I did let them ride very often with one hand. I like it very, very much riding with one hand, and that's the best way to get a good feeling in the saddle. And you can do this in longing lessons, but this you can do um, in in a uh, ordinary normal uh, training session as well. Riding with one hand, I always say, looking from the judge's point of view, but this is you have to train as a coach as well. If a judge has a feeling that the writer is able to write the whole test with one hand, then give a 10. But if you have the feeling the writer needs both reins and both hands and the reins, then give a zero. That's the situation. You understand what I mean? So therefore, with one hand, because when you write with one hand, it's a wonderful way to find a good balance in the saddle. The second thing is, what I like very much, is that you can do in a perfect way when you give a long jing lesson. Close your eyes, um, because longing lesson, nothing can happen, but I do this sometimes when I give an um, ordinary lesson or training. I say to the riders, now close your eyes, stay on the circle and close your eyes for maybe 20 meters or so, and then open your the eyes, and then again. But if you have a longing lesson, you can close your eyes for a long longer time. Why? Because when you close your eyes, you get a very nice, but easier feeling for the feeling. And that's the goal, to get a feeling for the feeling. And uh, that's a process. It's not just done, uh, explain and it's done, no. You need a lot of time to get the right feeling for the feeling, and this is what, um, what we have to school, uh, to get the right feeling for balance, and using reins in one hand, And okay, when you are on a high level, then it works. But when you are not on a high level, then it's fine to bring uh, your second hand uh, to the saddle. So, and put your hand into the saddle so that you find more and more the balance in the saddle. This helps, especially when you want to ride, uh, for instance, medium or extended trot. It is so difficult to sit in these movements properly. So therefore, I think it's very, very important that we scoot it like this, both points in one hand, and use um, the front hand in the saddle, so that you, that you yeah, find more and more your balance. And I like very much to train, starting from rising trot and coming to sitting trot, and the best way to get a feeling for sitting trot is to do rising trot, and then the last step before you start the walk, other than you write the transition into walk, I have to say uh, first, and the last bit of maybe 10 or 20 meters, you, you start with sitting trot, both reins in one hand and one hand at saddle, so that you are able to sit properly in the saddle, and this is for me very important, and this works when you have both reins in one hand, and this is something um, what I like to school, and I have really good success when I do it like this. And um, I think we need more and more uh, situations that riders will accept to put one hand into the saddle so that they find the balance. And this is, for me, very important. And this is a very, very high goal. And when you have a rider on a higher level and you say, now you need longing lessons, then they say, no, I'm, I'm too good for longing lessons. No, never. no one is too good for launching lessons and put your hands in the set. No, I don't need it. I'm, I'm so perfect. In the no, do it. Because most of the riders have problems with their position. Although maybe some world class riders have no problems with the positions, but they need always lessons. And uh, their trainers and coaches and many coaches uh, will explain and say, think this hand's too high. Um, Doing this and this and this and always looking into this direction and therefore I think to train our position is the highest goal so we can say um, we are horse friends and riding with one hand bringing the other hand into the um, saddle is, is for me a very, very good exercise. Another exercise is to give and to retake the reins This is, for me, important in the old days. We always said, okay, for the horse, that the horse, that the rider will see that the horse has a good self-carriage, a good balance, and is not leaning on the bit, and so on, and so on. And I always think a second part is very important, that the rider will see in the situation when he is giving both reins, that he is or she is sitting independent of the reins. Many people don't realize that they are using during the whole training session the reins to find the balance in the saddle. So therefore it's for me very important to give and to to retake reins so that the horses will find the balance at one point. And I, as a rider, will realize that I am sitting independent of the reins. And this is for me very important and then I would give long lessons, you can do special exercises riding without reins and doing yeah, special exercises. In Germany, we have a book, I think it's balanced and settled. Then the big book is uh, published in English as well. And I think and um, there are a lot of exercises which you can train and use and these kind of exercises will help you are more flexible in the saddle without
0: doing these exercises. Yeah, yeah. Christoph, another, you know, sometimes these sayings are sort of bandied around like people understand them, but inside leg to outside rein, that's something that I hear coaches use and I think, well, I can't see it when you're riding or tell us a little bit more about the inside leg to the outside rein, what we're hoping to achieve and benefits for horse, benefits for rider.
1: Yeah, um yeah. Inside leg, outside reins is giving diagonal aids, I would say, but that's, that's the explanation or that's the headline of it. And this, it's another spirit of good riding. And uh, if I would have been the question, what is the most important aids which a rider has to give? I would say it is the inside leg, the horse has to realize that the rider has to straighten the horse with the inside leg because horses are not straight by nature, and the inside leg helps a lot to straighten the horse. The inside leg helps to bring the horse in front of the driving aids, mainly the inside leg. I would say maybe 70% inside leg, 30% the outside leg brings the horse in front of the, the driving aids. And the inside leg is important to bend the horse. So this is important as well. of the inside leg. So therefore, the, of the inside leg. The second thing is important of the inside leg, looking from the rider's point of view and looking from the horse's point of view. And now looking from the uh, looking to the outside, outside are the diagonal aids the the outside rein has an important function and. The outside leg, as well, the outside leg is, I would say, five centimeters, or maybe between five and maximum ten centimeters back, and the outside rein has to have a not a strong but a steady contact from rider's hand to the mouse. And this is for me important that there is a steady but soft contact, and I want to underline the word soft. That's for me very important, steady and soft. And that's, uh, I would say it's a little bit the guideline for the horse to stay on the line on which the rider wants to ride. Example, when I want to ride a corner or when I want to ride a circle, a small one or a bigger one, or in cross, in cross country or in uh, show jumping competition, I want to ride a turn. I have to turn with the outside eight, not using the inside rein. When I use, for instance, the inside rein, turn left, use left rein, then the horse would run to the right side because of physics. But when I use the outside rein in a combination with the outside leg, I'm able to turn to the left side Otherwise, when I use outside other the right rein right and right leg. I can turn to the left side. When I'm sitting a little bit to the direction of the movement, and when I'm sitting on the, a little bit more on the left bone, bring a little bit more weight into the left stirrup, then I'm able to turn. The more weight I bring to the left side, the shorter the turn will be. And um, this is, we have to school very early uh, that the rider will um, get the feeling to use the inside leg to activate the horse, to um, bend the horse, and to use um, the outside leg in the special position of the outside leg, which I had explained a minute before, and the outside rein to be able to turn. And this is very important, looking from the from this point of view, to ride a nice, smooth turn, and on the other hand, looking from the horse's point of view, uh, to straighten the horse, because, uh, because a horse, which is not straight, never will be a horse, um, will be able collection, and uh, a not straight horse will be not able uh, to jump um, straight clear over a fence. Therefore, this is something we have to train very early, and this is something we have to explain our rights um, very early as well uh, when we give our lessons.
0: Okay, okay. I think um, understandable. Uh, yes, yes, I think that was a, a great explanation, yeah. Now, you talk also about horses having a well-stretched neck for their balance. Can you just go into a bit more depth there and tell us maybe talk even about what we're looking for in a well-stretched neck. Like we don't just want the horse poking his nose out and, you know, putting his nose on the ground and having a, a long neck and a long rein or a loose rein, but a well-stretched neck for balance. Can you just talk about that a bit more, that terminology?
1: Yeah, that's, that's another very, very good question because it's, it's, yeah, at the end of the day, a result of good riding, Um, And I just said to a friend of mine uh, who is in Germany responsible of publishing the principles of writing, and I said to do this in a good way, normally you are not able to do it in the beginning of a training session, or at the end of the training session, because you need a lot of... Um, yeah, we were made um, yeah to come to this point. A lot of um, transitions and a lot of uh, swinging to come to this point. And I want to explain it. And um, what are we we looking for? Looking from the judge's point of view and looking from the trainer's point of view. And um, when I did say uh, the, a rider, a good rider, has to write the whole test with one hand. That's one point. Give it ten. Another thing is when the rider is able to give rein and take reins. if a rider is able to ride the whole test with giving reins, give a ten. I explain the yeah black and white explanation. And the third thing is if a rider is able to rides the whole test with a long rein and give it ten. And um, long rein means that the horse is coming. And I want to explain now, forward, down. Important is the word forward, and not just down. And that's, that's for me, very, very important. As many people think that down uh, is, is a, no, forward, down. You don't have to come um, too down with a mouse, and um, mouse, I think, is plus minus um, where the shoulder of the horse is, not more down. And this is a situation that all muscles of the neck, of the back, um, are stretched into the right direction. And for me, it's very important that the designer will realize, has to realize, that we need first stretching and then flexion and bending. Many people say, okay, I have to bend my horse here and I have to flex my horse there. This will never ever work important is that the horse is able to stretch the neck, uh, uh, is able to stretch the neck before start to flex the horse. And very, very important that um, we have to realize that the the situation of stretching forward down is the best way to give the horse a good feeling for balance because a horse needs a well-stretched neck to balance his body. If the horse has a short neck, and therefore it was ridiculous listening um, and watching uh, the discussions about German word is all cool, low, round, and deep, that's wrong. It is totally wrong. It's only totally against the nature of the horse. Why? Because in this situation, the horse has no possibility of using uh, the neck stretch, um, yeah, or a well-stretched neck, um, uh, uh, to find balance. And balance is one of the we need in the saddle, and the saddle. And when the neck is short, the horses are not able to balance. And um, to get the right feeling for balance, it's important for the horse to learn to stretch a neck, and this is especially in our situation now, very, very important because many horses have um, a very uh, light throat uh, latch and um, therefore many horses are very short in the short latch and we have to open the throat latch and and bring the nose line to the vertical or a little bit in front of the vertical. That's probably very, very important. And um, therefore, I am very very happy uh, when riders are doing this. At the beginning of the training session, it will be a little bit a challenge for some horses. During um, the session, it will be good to do it so that you are sure that your horse is and uh, yeah, in a good balance. And you have, I think, all over the world. We should finish our sessions in the way I just tried to explain it. In a nice way, stretching forward down uh, the neck, and then um, we can finish our session. Just uh, one sentence I want to add very important is that in this situation, the horse is uh, in a very nice way in front of the driving aids of the rider, and the horse has to maintain the, the same quality uh, of the gates in walk, trot, and canter when you give longer reins and um, and the horse has to be active from behind. It's not good when in the situation the horse is coming on the forehead. That's very important for me. Okay.
0: Now, you talked earlier about how important it was for the rider to have an understanding of the horse's nature. And the body language, you know, I know that you want them to have a, an understanding of the body language of horses. How is this going to affect the way that they ride and their the rider's foundational training, if they learn the body language of horses?
1: And I think it's very important to to watch horses, to watch horses in the fields, to watch horses when they are alone in the fields, to watch horses when they are with other horses in the fields, to watch horses in the stable, and to watch horses under the saddle in all different situations. And I think in the beginning, it is very important that there is someone who will explain um, uh, the situation um, in the horse, when when the horse is maybe in the field and explain it so that the rider uh, understands that it's like to learn a language, uh, a, a strange language, and the same similar thing when you learn your native your, your language in which in the country where you have been born. And that's a process. It's not just, yeah, we talk about uh, body language and, um, yeah, what's it, it? It's it's like learning, like vocabularies you have to learn. So, and, and what do you have to look? You have to look at the feeling and, and understanding to understand um, how, when you look into the, the face of the horse, how are the ears? How is the nose? Is the the breathing? Uh, how are the eyes? Then you look um, to the body, is the horse able to swing over the leg? Are the muscles up and down? What about the tail? What about the rhythm, the regularity, the skin? Is it dry or is it wet after a couple of minutes of riding? And so on. And um, how is the reaction of driving aids? Are the ears back and the horse stiff? Uh, in the back in the moment when the horse uh, when when the rider is giving uh, are the giving um driving aids and so on so therefore I think there are a lot of key points you have to understand at the end of the day, at a feeling for these two points to be able to understand what the horse means because the horse is not able to talk. we can talk now since maybe one hour or so. Horse is not able to talk with us, but uh, horse is, is able to, to demonstrate, to show his or her feeling um, happiness and unhappiness in the special situation, and this is what we have to learn, and this is for me a very special skill, and we, we have learned these skills from the body language, comma, the better we are able to learn it, the more we got good instruction about it, and the better for us and especially for the horses because we are able to understand them more and more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The
0: atmosphere, Christoph. You've talked before about how important it is to have that friendly atmosphere, you know, coaching, riding, training. Tell us a little bit more about the type of atmosphere, you know, the one that the horse thrives on and the rider thrives on and what we can do to keep that type of atmosphere.
1: I think it's very important that the trainer is able to create a good atmosphere. If the trainer is creating an, an aggressive atmosphere, the rider um, who is the student of the, of the trainer will ride aggressive with his horse. And uh, the more friendly the, the atmosphere is, the more positive, um, the more the, the trainer is um, willing to understand the rider, the more friendly the rider will ride his or her horse. So therefore, I like to be a friendly trainer. I think that's very, very important, to be a friendly trainer, to train, in a positive way and not in a negative way. And I think that's, that's a key point, what we have to do. We have to do it in a nice way, in a way that as you did as well, first, your first question was before you started the interview, how is your feeling, what's going on in Europe, Germany, and so you have to start, you have um, uh, to find a way to come to the right because the right is coming from the office, has from family, has problems with the family, has problems in the office or in factory or whatever. Therefore, the more you, you try to to understand him or her as a, as a person, uh, the better the result will be when you train the person. And, and that's for me very important. That's part of the session to ask about him or her and then start the session, and then the rider will trust you more and more, and the more the rider is able to trust, the better the success will be, which you will have in the training session. So therefore, I think that's very, very important to do this into this direction, and create an atmosphere that's, for me, a high goal. And, and for me, very important is, after the session, to have a feedback. When I give clinics, I have always a feedback uh, sessions so that I, as a trainer, get a feedback so that they say, okay, this was a little bit too aggressive here, or this was uh, for me very difficult to understand, or I didn't understand it. And then I asked, what did you learn? Uh, this? I did learn. Uh, my, then I said, okay, my goal was that you should learn this and this. Maybe we, we have to focus more next day on this. So, therefore, uh, this is part of it as well the friendly atmosphere and then the feedback as well. Sometimes the instructor, uh, teacher and coach and so on thinks that that he or she is able to create an, a, a positive atmosphere, but maybe the rider says, no, I, I don't have the feeling that it's that's a po- positive atmosphere. I think it's a very aggressive and a negative atmosphere, and so on.
0: Yeah. yeah. So what can we do? This is for the rider to help with the foundational training for the rider to develop their skills, but... As um, coaches, as judges, as trainers, in training during competitions, what can we do to develop the communication better between the horse and the rider?
1: Um, I think uh, we have two steps to do, and um i I am a friend of um Linda Parelli and Pat Parelli, Linda, originally coming from Sydney, natural horsemanship. and to be honest, in the old days, um, I had no contact with them, but the more i I am a good communication with them and we did uh, many many uh, seminars and symposiums together and summits together um, our main title is two worlds are coming together I'm coming from the uh, classical point of view or right? the writing part uh, and they are coming from the natural horsemanship point of view and we come together and then we see I'm not far away. And I think to get a communication is good to do it in the beginning and from the ground. The better the feeling is from the ground, the easier it is to start in the saddle. So therefore, both together is important to have a good feeling at the ground and then to try to create a good feeling in the saddle. So both is important and the more the horse had learned at the ground, the easier it is than to do it from the saddle. You the, the best working on the ground is not enough and then the, then the horse will be no traffic. At the end of the day, riding is a spot and it's a spot for the rider, the spot for the horse. Therefore you have to train the horse and rider together in the saddle. But it helps a lot for the communication when the horse is trained in the beginning from the ground. And in between as well, not just from the beginning and later on as well.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Very good advice for a lot of people. Coming from someone with as much knowledge as you, Christoph, I think there's so many things that have been good. And this is the type of chat that I'm sure people will go back to and listen again and again, because each time it's one of those things that, you know, each time they listen to it, I'm sure they're going to pick up something new. It's been very good talking to you. I've really enjoyed it. I think you've done more talking. I've just asked the question, so I've had it pretty easy. But, yes, very good information. I've certainly been taking lots and lots of notes. Christoph. I've got to say thank you for your time. You know, I hope everything continues to be okay over in your part of the world. I hope things improve worldwide as far as this virus goes and we open up and um, things start to get back to normal.
1: Yeah, I hope as well I say thank you much indeed. It was a pleasure uh, to give some explanation. It was a pleasure uh, to listen to your questions. Yeah, it's the right direction. Thank you. And um, I have the feeling that uh, you have a good understanding from our sport, our lovely sport, the loveliest sport, I think, which we have in the world. And I cross my fingers for Australia, that um, everything will come back to normal, and that we can travel in a couple of weeks again all over the world maybe not as much as in the old days but that we come back to normal and yeah that we meet uh yeah maybe next year again I
0: love it yes that would be great to catch up again again in person that should be not just yeah not just to chat Good. yeah
1: would be great right. yes I would yes. love to come back again but yeah. you never know no? okay. life is strange and we only know what's going on today and in the net and minute we can have a new challenge and therefore we have to be flexible and look positive to the future i hope you will do this and all the other australians will do it and i like your way of living and i like your country i cross fingers and, and the whole country
0: all right christophe well thank you for chatting and um, hopefully we'll talk again very soon
1: all the best take care
0: okay bye-bye if you've enjoyed this chat then please comment rate and subscribe If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.